welcome our visitors. Always, uh, always happy to, to have you with us. This Thursday, the 11th, will be Veterans Day. And uh, a time when we, uh, we honor, honor our veterans and at the same time uh, are made aware again of, of the, uh, the end of the first, <clears throat> excuse me, the First World War. Mitch, you may have to take over this morning. I'm not sure I can talk. On top of not being able to think, but that happens too. We'd like to honor our veterans this morning. Well, everybody that's served the hitch in the, uh, in the armed forces, stand up, would you please? Let's see how many we've got here. This is for Fred. For Fred, okay. Well, we just start with Fred then. Tell us uh, what branch of the service he was in and when. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> it had been. I remember it well. Jim? Maybe 1969 to 1975. Okay. Everett? Army, 53 to 57. Robert? Marine Corps, 64 to 68. Marine Corps. Didn't realize they were that well represented. Mitch? Okay, and somebody has to represent the Flyboys, I guess. I was Air Force, 59 through 62. Your dad did it. Yeah, good. Do we have any birthdays this morning or this week? Got one, squirrel. Got one squirrel. One squirrel, right. Anybody else? That's what's running the piano, one squirrel. One squirrel. <laughs> it uh, keeps it broke buying peanuts. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Don't see any. Okay, then let's uh, continue to praise the Lord this morning by uh, turning to number 90. Oh, worship the King, all glorious above. Let's stand and sing.
169, I Need Thee Every Hour. Brother Mitch, will you lead us in prayer, please? Sure. Our Father and God, thank you so much for the privilege we have to be called your child. What a blessing to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. Lord, thank you for all the many, many blessings that you give us every moment of every day. Every heartbeat is a gift. Every breath is a gift. Every step that we take is a gift. Lord, we take so many things for granted. And they're all wonderful things that are given by you. Lord, help us to appreciate you more. Not just that you died for us but that you make it possible for us to live for you. Lord, help us to do that, to honor you with everything we say, everything we do. Bless us in this time of worship. May we be a blessing to you 
that you can return those blessings. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Our communion hymn this morning is number 266. Were you there when they crucified my Lord?
communion meditation this morning will be given by Jim Rominger. Good morning again. Good morning. Uh, the meditation this morning is on celebration. Amen. How often do we as human beings plan and look forward to celebrating different things in our lives? We work hard to make sure everything is perfect when we celebrate. Our Father in Heaven also has planned for his celebration. Amen. Jesus' death on the cross started one of the biggest celebrations to happen in history. Yep. Satan planned for a big celebration and was sure he had defeated God with the crucifixion of Jesus on the cross. Satan and his followers were celebrating their victory. He thought that by death of God's son, he now, he now had the upper hand on all of mankind. He thought, now I have defeated the creator of all things, and that he now was the power over everything. Yes, this was one of the biggest celebrations ever to happen in this world. But little did Satan realize that this was not the end of the story. Yes, Jesus was crucified. Yes, Jesus died and was buried. And as Mitch's sermon today will point out, his disciples were unsure what would happen next. Satan claimed victory. What happened next would shock Satan and the whole world forever. Jesus would come back to life after death and taking the sin of all people upon himself. Jesus defeated Satan and death. Amen. Oh, what a slap in the face was this for Satan and his followers. This meant his celebration was over and he was defeated. Amen. He knew his time was limited and would end but he still wants to take as many people to death and suffering as he can before his final end. Yes, his celebration ended. Jesus' celebration started. Amen. Jesus had won the victory over death and will someday judge the world and all people. Jesus died for our sins, and he will give us eternal life if we confess our sins and follow his way and change our hearts. Oh, what a celebration this was when Jesus rose from the grave and defeated Satan. We should celebrate each day knowing we will have eternal life with our maker. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your love that you provided a way for, for us as sinners that you can forgive 
our sins, and we turn our hearts to you and follow your commandments. We know this will not be an easy thing to do. We will face many trials along our way, and sometimes will not understand why. We know that the devil is defeated, but he still is trying to pull us down into the pit of hell. He will do anything to change our faith and pull us down. Help us to stand firm in our Lord Jesus. We know that if we stand firm in your love, we will be the victors as you are and we will be. For it's in the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Let's spend a few moments just in meditation and let's speak face to face with God, just Him and us. When Jesus and his disciples were gathered in the upper room to eat the Passover meal, Jesus took bread and blessed it, broke it, gave to them, saying, Take and eat, this is my body broken for you. Likewise the cup, when they had eaten, Jesus blessed it and passed it around the table saying, This is my blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sin. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me until I come again. Drink of it, all of you. Let's stand for the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Turn to number 290, Our God Reigns. Amen.
God truly reigns. Amen. May be seated. Brother John Clemick has our special this morning. So who would have a problem if the service went a little longer today? Nobody. Okay. I'm good then. Last time I uh, talked about how I was called up here to sing one of the two songs I was thinking about singing. Well... It happened again. <laughs> so back in August, at Mike's Celebration of Life, a group sang Chainbreaker by Zach Williams. When we sat down for the dinner, Brother Mitch asked when I was going to sing it at church. He said, I know you know it because I heard you singing it. So, okay. So... Last time I was up here, I was called to do a different song. Well, this time I got called for this one. About a month ago, my mom asked me how I got up in front of the church and sang. You remember what I said? That's right. I said, God. I said, that, that's the only explanation it could be. Because most of my life, and you're going to find this kind of hard to believe too, up until about eight years ago, when I met this beautiful woman, I was pretty quiet and reserved. I know. <laughs> and I got I have back up here too again, so that's what ties all this together. So, with this hammer and this chisel, I've been breaking those chains that held me back. Mitch has talked a few times now about uh, reading the Bible and how the demons come and they make you sleepy. Well, I read the Bible in the morning and uh, that's a great way to get your day started, Amen. out on the right path. So I read it from the beginning to the end, and I'll skip around. So remember the song Chainbreaker. Yep. Uh, so I, I looked up, <clears throat> and uh, it says, uh, 40 times in the Bible it mentions chains. Uh, wow, that's a eh, few. But then I looked up how many words are actually in the Bible. 750,000. So, out of all these words in the Bible, and it's Monday morning, I read from Psalms 107. Some sat in the darkness in utter darkness, prisoners suffering, suffering in iron chains because they were rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. Then they cried out to the Lord in the trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Amen. Tuesday morning, 
O Lord, I am your servant. Yes, I am your servant. Born into your household, you have freed me from my chains. And then I had to wait till Friday. We were, uh, went out for dinner, and uh, we were almost home, and on the radio, what comes on? Chainbreaker. Mom says, they're playing your song. I'm like, oh, you have no idea. So I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't let her know that I was singing today. It was, it's a surprise. So, so uh, Saturday when I was looking up, I, Saturday is when I looked up how many times was in, Chains was in the Bible and everything, and I came across this too, and I thought I'd share this. It says, Chains are an obvious symbol of imprisonment. In physical terms, they restrict us, hold us down, and signify our, our captive state. In spiritual terms, they do more or less the same. While many of us won't experience physical chains, we're by no means immune to the impact of spiritual chains which harm our spiritual growth. These kinds of shackles are just as detrimental to our freedom because they affect our behavior, our outlook, and our faith. The Bible features numerous accounts of physical chain breaking, but it is also full of stories about people who have had their spiritual chains broken by the Lord. Amen. These types of chains manifested in various ways, demons, sickness, and sin. But these biblical stories aren't just documented so that we know what Jesus was able to do for people that followed him in the past. They are also there to show us what he can do for us today. Jesus comes to set us free and destroy the chains that bind us. The modern day chains that we may experience can come in a variety of forms. It might be an addiction, a lazy attitude, or a failure to forgive. We can identify such spiritual shackles by assessing what it, whether whatever it is weakens us, restricts our freedom, and prevents us from reaching our potential to become closer to and more like Christ. If you are aware that there are chains holding you down, or you think there's something shackling you, but you're yet to, but you're yet to determine what it is, appeal to Jesus to set you free. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies, if you're trying to You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. If you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies. If you're trying to heal the same... I'm sorry. If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside... There's a better life, there's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, 
He's a way maker. If you need freedom, saving, He's a prison shaking Savior. If you got chains, He's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves sworn out from the same old fight. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. Well, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can't feel it, Somebody testify If you believe it If you receive it If you can't feel it Somebody testify, testify If you got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost He's a way maker if you need freedom, saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. That was good. I don't care who you are. <laughs> oh, good morning. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Oh, me and this cane are getting to be buddies. <laughs> He's never let me down. <laughs> oh, well... I do want to say one thing before I get into this uh, reading and, and, and the message. I had a problem with the coffee pot this morning because it was unplugged, the one on the right for the decaf. Um, there's a tray that's got the coffee in it, and I keep it pulled out. Somebody keeps shoving it back in, and when they do that, they unplug the coffee pot. So I would appreciate it if you wouldn't do that. It's out for a reason. <laughs> It hits the cord and pulls, pulls the uh, receptacle just loose enough to where it doesn't make contact. So that's why it's out. Please leave it out. <laughs> All right. So, anybody in here feel saved? Have your chains been broken? <laughs> you know, sometimes those chains keep us from shouting... Hallelujah! <laughs> so don't let that happen. All right. As we continue on here, we're talking about the burial of Jesus today. 
just a, a couple of verses of scripture here. And uh, so we'll read that and then we'll, we'll get into it a little bit. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. Now, you know, we've talked about all the way up to this and all that's happened And now then, as he's hanging here on the cross, he's already passed away. Then this Joseph, a a rich man, Joseph Arimathea, comes along and goes to Pilate and asks for the body. There may be a couple of reasons for that. I think the primary reason is because he was a believer and he wanted to not see Jesus left hanging. You know... It was bad enough that he was cursed because the curse hangs on a tree. The cursed hang on a tree. So he had already took the curse of our sin on himself. And then it was also, if you go all the way back to, I think it's Deuteronomy or Leviticus, I forget. But part of the law says is that if a, a body stays out after dark then it becomes not a curse, but it it becomes something that uh, will cause the whole area to not be holy anymore. So you're not to leave that body out. So he's filling a couple of things here by doing this, but he has to go and ask Pilate. Now, I'm sure Pilate would not have a problem with this because... If you remember, Pilate never thought that Jesus was guilty of anything in the first place. So he releases the body. Now, we find out in some other of the Gospels that Pilate was surprised that he had already passed and even sent messengers to make sure that he wasn't getting him down prematurely and letting him live. But it was verified, yes, he's dead. Uh, there's a few key words in here that I think verifies that he was dead as well. You know, there, there's plenty of stories. There has been, ever since this event, that they started telling lies that, no, Jesus was never actually dead. He never died. He just fainted. He just fainted. Uh, <laughs> You know, the story that was told by, the, uh, by those who guarded, uh, guarded the tomb that the disciples came and stole his body. You know, th- there's so many things. But as we look at this, first of all, it says that uh, every time they mention Jesus' body, when they don't specifically say body, they say it. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. doesn't say he wrapped him 
in a clean linen cloth. Why? Because this was a lifeless body. There was no him anymore. The soul had left the body. This was just an it. Because all of us, when we have gone to funerals, gone to the viewing, you never said, oh, you know, <laughs> uh, we may say, look at her or look at him. But what we're thinking is, after we touch that ice cold body, is it. Look at it. Because he or she has left. They have vacated and gone to receive their reward. Jesus was no different. So if he had still been alive, they wouldn't refer to his body as an it. But Joseph being a wealthy man. Now, this also brings a couple of questions. You know, the Bible talks about people that, who are wealthy, how much harder it is for them to get into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they're so dependent upon their money. They're so dependent upon being able to provide everything for themselves. I have my own means, thank you very much. I don't need your help. Well, there's certain things money can't buy. Salvation is one of them. Apparently, Joseph of Arimathea learned that. And he's showing his love and his respect for Jesus by doing this. He took him, he wrapped him in linen. Now, folks, there's a cost affiliated with this. Now, for all of us who's dealt with a a family member who's passed away, you realize there's a cost. (laughs) And nowadays, that cost is very, very expensive. Uh, there are all alternative ways you can bring the cost down some, but a traditional funeral, you know, seven, ten, twelve thousand dollars, and it's crazy. Even then, there was a cost. The linen had to be purchased. The spices that they wrapped in the linen, all of these things. And so this man spent his own money. Then he laid Jesus in his own tomb. He had carved with his own hand. He had chiseled out his own tomb in this cave. He had prepared it for himself. He may have had other family members already buried in the same cave, or there may not have been. I don't know. We're not told that. But usually when they prepared these, there were usually, if you had a family, there were several Places cut out in the stone for the bodies to lay. This one had freshly been cut and no one had ever been in it. He put Jesus there in his place. Folks, that's symbolic. Jesus died for you. He died for me. Joseph realized he died for him. So he buried him in his place too. I don't know that Joseph understood that Jesus would be resurrecting. But this was true love being shown. He took the body of Jesus down. He may have and probably did have servants that helped him. But he would have had to work 
to get the body down off the cross. I don't know if they would take the cross back down and, and pull the nails out that way or if they would have tied him somehow to some kind of rigging system and then pulled the nails out and then lowered him. I'm not sure how they would do that. But it was a process that had to be done either way. And it required work. You know, a lot of times it seems like we forget that within our relationship with Jesus, there's work that we have to do. It's not just something where Jesus did everything and we have to do nothing. Unfortunately, too many people today seem to believe that. They seem to think, well, Jesus did it all for me. There's nothing left for me to do. All I have to do is live my life and go about my business. And when I die, I'll go be with Jesus. That's not what the Bible teaches, folks. That's not what the Bible teaches. It says that we are to follow him. How do you follow him if you're just sitting down doing nothing? How do you follow somebody if they're going on and you're just sitting or standing still? I'm sorry, that's not following. That's watching. (laughs) That's observing. We are to follow. In other words, we're to do the things that he did. What did he do? He went around preaching the truth to all. He also went around doing good for all that he came in contact with. You know, who can tell me? Who did Jesus spend the most time with? Come on. I'm sorry. Well, he did the disciples, but outside of the disciples, who did he spend the most time with? Sinners. Absolutely. It was sinners. He, was, he hung around with the prostitutes. He hung around with uh, all of the uh, tax collectors and all the people that were considered the scum of the earth. That's where he spent most of his time. Every time he was around the religious leaders, he ended up in a debate, a challenge of his authority. But when he was around others, they would listen. They would listen to him. Now, does that mean every single one of them surrendered? No. But they were more affable. (laughs) Affable. They were more willing to listen than the religious leaders of the day. They thought they already knew it all. We don't need to learn from you. We've been around. We're older than you are. We've been around longer than you have. Well, (laughs) really? So you also are thousands of years old, huh? Sometimes we feel like it. But, you know, Jesus was around before man was made. He came in the form of a human to teach us, to model for us the way that we should live. He also modeled for us how we should die. Jesus did not fight them when it came for his time of death. But now he knew he had to die. And we all know that our day will come, right? Every one of us knows we're going to die one day. But we don't have to go kicking and screaming. Now, I've shared this story before, and I think it's appropriate here, so I'll share it again. 
When I used to work on the ambulance, there was an old man that was in one of the nursing homes where we used to uh, go regularly to care for people and to transport them to different places. This one elderly gentleman was very crude, (laughs) very rude, and couldn't keep his hands off of the girls, uh, whether they worked there or whether they worked on the ambulance with you. He was constantly, you know, doing and saying things that were inappropriate. One day we got a call for this gentleman. He had had a heart attack. He was still in the process of having a heart attack when we got there. And we were to take him to Louisville to the hospital. He didn't make it that far. But I was in the back with one of the techs. And she was trying to keep him alive. And then all of a sudden, he started kicking and screaming. And he was saying, my feet's on fire. My feet's on fire. And he died. He was gone. He left this world and went into hell. I had no doubt of that because of the way he died and what he said. In fact, the female tech that was working with me at the time, she turned around and looked at me and she said, how did you say I get saved? (laughs) And I led her to the Lord right there. You know, Jesus took all of our sin upon himself on that cross. That's the reason why we can say our sins are nailed to the cross. Because Jesus took them on himself while he was hanging there on that cross. So that we don't have to pay for our own sins. You see, here's the thing. We have this option. We either accept that payment in full was made. And as a result of that, then we obey Christ. By following him, not just by accepting him. Folks, we're told in the Bible that Satan believes that Jesus is the son of God. He knows he is. He's never had a question about that. Even throughout the, the, the time that Jesus was on the earth, all of the demons testified. They knew who he was. He was the son of God. They all knew that. And he told them, shut up. Don't tell everybody who I am. They believe even fear and tremble before him. But they still don't obey him. If we have faith, belief that Jesus is the son of God, that he is the Messiah, if we truly believe that, then we don't just accept him making a mental ascent. He really comes into our heart. He lives inside of us and he speaks through us and he works through us. That's how we follow him. I die. You know, John 
said, I must decrease and he must increase. Well, that's the way it is for us. We must decrease. In other words, my personal wants, my personal wishes, my personal desires. I have to die to self. That's how we die to self is we, we allow what I want to shut up and go away and, and do what he wants. Amen? And if we're not doing that, folks, then we're going to have a problem when we stand before him on judgment day. We may be one of those. He says, get away from me. I never knew you. There are so many people that have heard so many different messages about once saved, always saved. And they've taken that to mean that, oh, well, I can get saved. I can accept Jesus and then I can go out and do whatever I want. And I'm guaranteed to go to heaven. I'm sorry. That's not what that means. Paul said that we are not to take advantage of the grace that God has extended by using that as a means to do evil. And then expect that we're going to enter into the gates of heaven. No, no, no. It's not about how much can I do? How close to the flame can I get before I get burned? No. How far away can I stay from that flame? That's what we should be thinking. How far away from that flame can I stay? The folks that are in here that are firefighters can tell you, you want to stay away from the flame because it might just lick your way and consume you. Playing with the fires of hell is no different. There might be a powerful lick that comes and consumes you when you're playing with the fire. Don't do it. Jesus paid the price so that we don't do that. Because he died, because he resurrected, because he sent the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit is the word parakletos, paraclete. One who comes alongside, one who walks with us. In a, in a legal term, it means having your lawyer stand beside you in judgment. Having your lawyer stand befi- b- b- beside you before the judge. That's what a paraclete is. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He lives in us, but he stands with us. As long as we are in the will of God, he will stand up to the accuser and say, No! This one belongs to me because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus. He stands with us. The accuser comes along and says, yeah, but what about this? What about that? And he says, no, they're mine. It doesn't matter about this or that or the other. That was then. This is now. He's mine. He's cleansed. He's died to himself and I live in him. So shut up and go away. Paul said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's the goal, folks. That's the goal. That's where we want to be. We want to be to the point to where every thought, the Bible says, is captive, taken captive by Jesus. How does that happen? Well, it doesn't happen automatically, folks. I can tell you that for sure. Because 
The old sinful nature is alive and well within each of us. And it wants what it wants. And it wants it now. And the more you feed it, the more hungry it becomes. But the same is true when we feed the Spirit. The more we feed the Spirit, the more we build our relationship with Jesus, the more that we read his word, the more that we try to serve him, the more we want to. It's up to us to choose. Jesus chose to die for us so that we could make that choice. But that choice is up to each one of us, and we have to make it every moment of every day. It's not a choice you make one time at this altar saying, Jesus, come into my heart. It's a choice you make every moment of every day. I'm going to do what Jesus wants me to do, or I'm going to do what the devil wants me to do by doing what I want. It's not a pleasant thing to think about, is it? But that's the facts, folks. Look what Jesus went through. How he was betrayed by one of his disciples. How he was sold by him, sold out. How he went and agonized in the garden. Sweating drops of blood. The angels came and strengthened him and prepared him to go to the cross. Then he went before The judges, he was mocked, he was spit on, he was slapped, he was beaten. He was whipped with a cat of nine tails. Cruelly treated. Crown of thorns, big thorns, eight, nine, ten, twelve inches long, shoved into his skull. And then... Made to carry his cross and then hung on that cross, nails driven through his hands and his feet. And hung there, unable to breathe, pushing up every once in a while against those nails in his legs, catching a breath until he knew he had fulfilled everything. He had taken all of the sin of all man forever on himself. And he knew it was time to surrender. Then he commended his spirit to the Father and breathed his last. He went through all of that so that we don't have to suffer when we die. He went through all of that So that we have the power, the ability within us to choose to do the right thing every time. The question then becomes, are we willing to do it? Are we willing to lay down ourselves, our own pleasures, our own wants, our own wishes to obey him? And should the time come, God forbid, but should the time come, when we're given an option to recant him or die, would would we be willing? Would we be willing to die for him the way that he died for us? All of this 
All of this, folks, it's all for love. It's all for the purpose of salvation. God made us, and shortly after he made us, our first parents disobeyed. Shortly after he made us. And ever since then, sin nature has passed on from generation to generation. And there's only one way to overcome that sin nature. And that's through Jesus. Accepting him and obeying him, following him intentionally every moment of every day. Say no to sin and yes to Jesus. If you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord and come as we sing. Brother Bob. Our invitation hymn this morning is number 371. Reach out to Jesus. Let's stand and sing. Is your birth? Anything else for us, Mitch? No, sir. Then you may be seated. <clears throat>